Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, Good morning to everybody. Good morning to all you worshiping with us online. Good morning, South Euclid campus. We're coming into you today with a special guest. So we're all going to be gathered for 30 minutes here or so together with one message and one word. I'm so excited uh, to greet folks who've been with us. We've had uh, leaders from Missouri and across the country and all over Ohio been with us since Friday, uh, leaning into this kind of this this you know, goal of creating a church that looks like the kingdom of God and not waiting to get to the kingdom to do it. And so that's been so exciting uh, to be with you. And thank you for all the leaders who are here from other places. We just hope you'll take a little bit of this with you and back with you and then send some back to us, okay? Because we need it. This is a connection. I asked them this weekend, how many of you online, maybe I'm going to catch you doing it right now. How many online are doing a jigsaw puzzle as you listen to this message? Ah... Gotcha. Anybody here? Anybody here like to do jigsaw puzzles? Come on, it's okay. It's no, because I asked that over the weekend. People are like, yeah, like like we're a closet jigsaw puzzle people or something. It's okay. Power to the jigsaw people. Wave your hand. Yeah, yeah. All right. There were more. Yeah, I knew you were here. And when you put a jigsaw puzzle together, how do you do it? Corners. 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 Everybody told me that you get the little pieces that don't have an edge, and you do the whole frame, right? What else do you do? What do you do from there? Look at the box. Right? Because you got to figure out where stuff goes. Everybody knows that, right? Two of us know that. Good. Uh, the rest of you, now you know why you couldn't put the puzzle together. You never looked at the box, right? How many of you know God has shown us the box top for the church? Yeah. Revelation 7 9. Revelation 7, 9. That's the box top. That's the church. When it says every people, language, nation, and tribe surrounded around throne. That's, that's the trajectory of the church. And it's, you know what our job is to do? Put the pieces together. Right? What did Jesus say? On earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're trying to do, man. Aren't you glad that God doesn't evaporate individuality? Every nation, language, people, and tribe. God doesn't make us some homogeneous little alien type creatures, right? He, he honors the diversity they make. He loves us enough to make us the way we are. And it's so exciting. And I'm so excited today to introduce our preacher for the morning. Um, he is my friend. He is my brother. We became friends through the Mosaics Global Network. We were brothers in Christ long before we met. I first uh, encountered him in 2016. We were at the uh, Mosaics Conference uh, in Dallas, Texas. We do a national conference every three years. And Naeem Fazel and myself were, were speakers at that conference. And Naeem kicked us off that year. I'll never forget it. He kicked us off and he told his story. You know, we think of diversity in America. It tends to be black and white. We know that's kind of historical enmity. But we're so diverse that my brother over here has a Chicago Bears jersey on. And I didn't kick him out. I didn't. I prayed for him. 
I prayed for him, man. Rob, power to the... I mean, I want you all to get your tail kicked, but um, you're welcome to be in church today. But, um, you know, I, Naeem was up there, and he got up, and we think of diversity in certain ways. And he said, hey, we had like 1,200 people. He goes, how many Pakistanis in the house? I'm like, wow, yeah, well, we are really are diverse. And he talked about coming to Christ, and he said when he came to Christ and shared his story, American Christians tend to say, oh, good, now you can go back and share it with your people. And Naeem said... Why can't you be my people? And that thing stuck in my heart, and it's stuck with me ever since. And so I'm going to invite to the stage my friend, my brother, Naeem Fazel. Let's give him a big Cleveland welcome. Thank you, bro. Thank you, thank you, man. It is good to be back with you. Uh, I was here 2017, I believe. And so those of you who did not get a chance to uh, uh, watch that message, don't bother, don't bother. Uh, but uh, no, I'm just glad to be back. Thank you so much for, man, just being... Uh, this is awesome, Chip. Thank you so much. Uh, your, your leadership in this, in this, uh, in this church, I know, has blessed so many people, but also in the, in this nation as you're leading the way of creating diverse churches. So, excited for you guys. Excited for you guys. So, my name is Naeem Fazel, and, uh, like he was talking about, I, 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 I am the, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Pakistani in the house, right? I'm Pakistanis. Yes, I'm always the minority everywhere I go, especially on Sunday mornings. I'm always the minority, especially in my church too. So I have a church and uh, I have a family as well. I've got some pictures, I think. Uh, so let me just see if I can put some pictures up for you guys, okay? So we'll throw in the first picture. Okay, this is, this is my family, right? Now, here's the thing. You know how your people go, oh, you have a picture of your family? And I'm like, oh, when are we ever together? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always, so this was the closest one. So I, it was on Instagram um, this past uh, cr- Christmas. So I got everybody and I convinced them, paid them a lot of money to wear this. <laughs> it was so hard, friends. It was so hard to get them like, hey, this, we're doing this. So yes, that's Nura, Asher, Ashley, and obviously myself. And so, yeah. So a pastor of a church called Mosaic Church. I got another picture over here as well for you. Uh, let me show you. Let's go to the next one right there. All right. This is this is my wife and me. Now, several years ago, I had long hair and I uh, ponytailed the whole man bun thing, rocked that for a little bit. Then COVID hit and I shaved everything off. No, I'm just joking. Okay. But this is a picture. I just want you to I just want you to see this picture right here. Okay. This is this is me and my wife. Okay. Now I want to show you another picture. Another picture. Okay. Another picture. This is this this guy right here. This guy and his wife. Now I don't know if you know who this guy. Anybody know who this guy is by any chance? Yeah, like, yeah, like everybody should. The guy from what? Lost, the guy from Lost. This guy has been a pain in my rear for the longest time, friends. This guy, this guy is the guy that everywhere I went, I'm like, they're like, hey, you're that guy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. But, and, and, then, and he's married to a white girl too. So I'm like, it doesn't help the situation. Friends, I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's so many stories of, like, people, like, can't take a picture with you. I'm like, I am not that guy. I, I'm, like, sitting at a Panera, you know, on, like, a Tuesday afternoon. They're like, are you that? I'm like, why would I be sitting in a Panera in North Carolina if I'm the guy from Lost? Like, what? What? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. And then, you know, it's been, it's been interesting. What's funny, though, is, is that I think all of us have been, you can take, you can get rid of it. Okay, I don't even like that picture. Okay, okay thank you. But uh, how many of you have been mistaken for someone else? Anybody? Right? 
How many of you have had this conversation uh, and you just kind of met the person, maybe a little bit, and you go, and the person goes, you know who you look like? And you're like, and for me, I'm like, I know. Okay? But for some of you guys, maybe you're like, uh, okay, who? And then depending on who the person they think you are, like they show you the picture, you're like, really? I look like this? You are no longer my friend. Defriend. Unfollow. You know? It's like, what? I don't look like that. I don't look like that. And so many times I think people like uh, mistake you for someone else. The people have done that. Obviously with masks, we have people mistake people for different people. Now what if, what if you mistook yourself for who you are? Like you mistook your identity in life. Imagine what would your life look like if your whole life you had mistaken your identity. See, I think if we do that, then, then we, misunderstanding, we misunderstand our calling. If you mistake your identity in life, you misunderstand what you're called for and what you're created to do. And I think for some of us, we struggle with identity so much. And the reason is, is because there's something inside of us that tells us that you're not living the life you're supposed to live. You're not living the life you're called to live. And the problem is that you've mistook your calling, and that's not the issue. The issue is that you've never understood who your, who, your identity. You've never understood who you really, truly are. I think for some of us, we don't even understand where we belong in the story of humanity and in the story of God. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus, we realize, oh, this is the kind of person I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to do all these things. And we find ourselves in the story of God, and we're all playing a certain part. But I think for so many of us, not all of us, for many of us, though, there's this, 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 there's this tension inside of us that says, no, no, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I'm living out my calling. And it's true. You're not. You're not, call, you're not living out who you're created to be. It's because you've mistook your identity, in fact, in the story of God. And it's so f- amazing to me how easy it is to do that. Now, I'm going to take you to a passage. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got an iPad, if you've got anything that will open up any kind of scriptures for you, jump on that. We'll have this, uh, uh, the verses up on the screen as well for you here. This is Luke chapter 8. So we're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 8. Now, Luke chapter 8, it's a pretty fascinating story. If you read the Bible before, if you know, if you're familiar with it, you're like, I know that story. I know that story. The story is this, okay? The story basically is that Jesus heals a, a woman with a blood issue. Okay, that's pretty much the story. Now, let me give you the context. The context is, before we actually get to verse 42, the context is that Jesus is uh, having a conversation with a religious guy, a, a, a religious Jewish leader, and he is uh, begging Jesus. He's literally begging Jesus to come and heal his daughter. His young daughter is dying, and he's like, please, I need you, I need you, I need you. This is a, like a rare account of a religious synagogue leader begging Jesus. Jesus to come. And Jesus goes, of course, uh, let's go. Let's go. So they're on their way to go heal his daughter. So that's why it starts with, as Jesus was what? On his way. So they're in a, they're, 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 they're headed somewhere. They're supposed to go somewhere. They got, they got something to do there. They got something to do. But then on the way, the crowds, it says, almost what? Crushed him. So how many people do you think there were? A lot or a little? A lot. A lot crushing crowds. This is pre 
COVID people, okay? This is, this is, this is like everybody is like all over the place. It's crazy. It's Black Friday or whenever that craziness happens. You know, it's that kind of thing, right? Okay. And then it says a woman who was, had been there to been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. So there was a woman there who had been subject to this disease. No one could heal her and it was a bleeding issue. Now, back in that day, you're not supposed to be there if you have a bleeding issue. In fact, they were quarantine you for sure. You're a woman, you have a bleeding issue, you're not supposed to be in crowds. No, no, you stay home. But now there's so many people, she shows up, but it says here, no one could heal her. So she's been, she's gone to different places. Now you've heard the story, you know how it ends, right? But it, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his what? Touch the edge of his cloak. Now, you, you would wonder, like, why did she touch the edge of his cloak? Like, why don't you, like, hey, excuse me, sir. Maybe because there are a lot of people there. She couldn't. She's like, okay. And she, maybe she, why didn't she, like, just grab his hand, hug him all of a sudden? Have you ever had, like, a all of a sudden hug? Like, you weren't even ready. You're like, whoa, okay, we're in this. Okay. All right. And you're, like, wondering, who am I hugging? Who am I hugging? I don't even know. Like, what is it? Who are these people? Okay. She didn't do that. She just went in and she just touched his cloak. Not even a physical touch. No body contact. Just his clothing. And immediately what happened? Bleeding stopped. Bleeding stopped. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now, let me just ask you something. I wonder what, what she felt in this story. Now, if we find ourselves in this story, it's connected to our story in, in, the, uh, in, in the kingdom of God too, in the reality we live in. Okay, it's all connected. But here, if you're this person in this story, and you're excited that you just got healed, it's been 12 years, but you're not supposed to be there. You're like... You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh my gosh, who could do it? I'm going to tweet this. uh, This is going to get me on TikTok. You're like, this is going to happen. Like, how do you you communicate so much excitement, but you can't do it? Because you get busted. You get busted. You can't, you're so excited, but you can't say anything. You can't say, and you're like, oh, wow, wow, wow. And see, we love the story. Why? Because you know and I know that we've had moments like this, right? Where we've been in the crowd and we've touched Jesus. And man, we've had our lives restored and things have supernaturally taken place. And we, we identify. We want to tell a story about, listen, I was this woman and this and this. And I identify with that. And I think that is profound. It's awesome. But the story does not end there. The story kept, keeps on going. What happens? What happens is, is that... Who touched me, asked Jesus. Verse 45 happens. All of a sudden, Jesus, supposed to be on his way to heal this little girl, stops, and he asks the question that I'm sure, I'm sure most of the disciples were like, are you kidding me? He asked the question, who touched me? In the middle of a crowd, the crowd was what? Crushing him. Like, and so the person in, the, in, you know, if you read the Gospels, Peter's always the guy who says the obvious. He's like, uh, uh. So he does this. I think it's a little bit of sarcasm. He goes, uh, he goes, Master, Son of God, not so bright. Like, hey, hey, uh, what? The people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, everybody's touching everybody, bro. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? 
I mean, I just got touched there. I don't, I don't even know what happened. Like, really? Really? And just imagine, everybody's like, like the disciples are like, what are you doing? Well, we got stuff to go. Who touched me? Everybody said, why would you do this? Right? I'm sure some people are like, oh, what do you think the father's thinking? Are you kidding me? My little girl, you're, you're, you're stopping. What, 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 who touched me? And then he says this. No, no, no. He says this. He says, no, 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 no. Someone touched me because I know this happened. I know that power has gone out from me. He said, power went out from me. So somehow Jesus believed that there was, there was an ability for power to go out from him even though he was not intentionally wanting it to. So there was an automatic kind of response to his existence. Like he could be in a situation that because of his presence and because of what was inside of him, it would naturally and automatically touch the people around him. If they touched on purpose. Now what happened on this idea of why did she, what do you mean she, she touched on purpose? You see, she grew this woman, I'm assuming it was a Jewish woman, and I know it's a Jewish woman because of what she did. See, Jewish people believed in, store, in the, a lot of the Old Testament. They grew up reading the Old Testament, but more than that, friends, they grew up singing the Old Testament and telling stories about the Old Testament. See, the scriptures that we have it, the birth of these scriptures for generations were all songs and stories. There was nothing written down. So when we see the Torah, it's been orally written down and then finally people wrote it down. It was sung in the hearts of people. And one of the songs they sang was that the Messiah was going to come. The Jewish people believed that the Messiah was going to come and he would have healing on his wings. Now what's profound about that is that rabbis would wear this shawl. And when they would wear this shawl, which Jesus was a rabbi, he wore a shawl. And most of the rabbis, they wore the shawl. And there were these tassels from the, the, the shawl. And what people would say sometimes is, they would look at a rabbi, and from a distance, when a rabbi would walk, and if the, the wind just hit it right, all of a sudden it would blow this, 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 this shawl up, and from afar, it looked like the rabbi had wings. And so she goes, if he's a rabbi, but more than that, if he's the Messiah, he should have healing in his wings. So I'm just going to sneak in, and I'm just going to touch the wings. And if all the songs I have sang and believed, and all the stories are true, I just have to touch his wings. And so he, she touches just the wings. And what happens? Boom. Excited. But the story doesn't end there. Because what here, here's what we would love to do. And here's what I want to challenge you. We would love to sit in that. And we would go, this, this is it. This is what we need to do. This is what the world needs to do. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to preach. And I love this story. I love that she moved in faith, touched. But here's the problem. It does not end there. Because then we have verse 47. Then, 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 then the woman... Right there. Then the woman. So something happened. You had, he says, power has gone out from me. So he says it. The, the, the disciples are still like, uh, okay. Uh, what, what does that mean? Like, no teaching on power going out from you. What, 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 is that? We're talk, what are we talking about? What happened here? Okay. Power has gone out from me. Now everybody is standing still in a sense. Because Jesus is standing still. There is a huge time gap 
between verse 46 and 47. Because I would like to believe, maybe I'm just like throwing my own thing in here, but I would like to believe Jesus' like power has gone out from me. And then he starts going. And I didn't want to say, at some point he was like, And the woman in the crowd, she's like, oh, no. Don't make eye contact. No, 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 no. No. I'm just praying to him that he would not hear me or notice me. Like, like please, don't, don't notice me. And I'm sure Jesus is like. And I'm, I'm going to say that they had this whole contact, like their, their whole, whole connection. Jesus is like. She's like, like I got, I got nowhere to go. I mean, I do have somewhere to go, but I'm good. And, it's, and then, and then, then, finally, then, the woman seeing that what she had not, he was, she was not, he was not gonna let it go. Basically, he was not going to let it go, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. See, what's so profound about this is that he heals this daughter of this, a person that we don't know on his way to heal another daughter. But there are two different stories in this. See, one story is Jesus going to heal. Which is so profound, though, to me, is that I think that as Jesus is going to go heal, he is the one who's going to go heal. He actually, in the middle of one story, stops and says, here's what I need you two guys to understand, too. And that is that when you might be tempted to believe that you are supposed to be the woman in the story, you're not. You're supposed to be me in the story. You see... I think that what has happened so often is that we, as followers of Jesus, have always believed, we have thought our identity lies in the woman with the issue, and with the blood issue. And so if we understand that, if we identify, and we think we are always supposed to be the woman in the story, if we, as followers of Jesus, if we, as the church, believe that we're the ones always with the issue, then when, when do we become the church? When do we become Jesus? I think for some of us, this is a very sobering truth. For so long in our lives, we have always been the one with the issues. Our whole lives, you spent, we are always the woman. We read this story and we're like, I'm the woman, I'm the woman, I'm the woman. The church has believed, I'm the woman, I'm the woman. And Jesus is stopping going, no! You're Jesus in the story. You're me. You're me in this. You're me in this. I'm leaving. <laughs> it's on you now. I'm leaving. The, this power is going to go out from you. Power goes out from you. Could you imagine with me, just for a second, what if you believed this? That power went out from you. What kind of power goes out from you? This hate and anxiety and hopelessness and cynicism go out from you or does love and mercy and grace and healing go out from you because friends right 
Because I will tell you, I will tell you, you might think, no, 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 I'm not quite sure. You can't even control the power that goes out from you. You can only control what comes inside of you. So here's, here's what's interesting. There is an organization called HeartMath. Uh, they, they do all kinds of studies on the heart. So if you look them up, heartmath.com, you'll find all these studies. And what they've found out is that the, the, the heart does some amazing things. And they have these machines that they can actually find. Like, by this machine, they can kind of find out your energy. Like, depending on a person who has felt anxiety or trauma or, or joy or healing, the, your color, like their machines that can tell that your color actually changes. Your body temperature changes. All these things changes. So these guys do a lot of research on the heart. Well, they've realized this, that that long, I mean, before they've kind of really proven this, they believe that the the, the organ that sent out and communicated the most to all the other organs was the brain. Obviously, if your brain dead, it's over, right? In a sense, right? Because your other functions don't move. And the way brains work is that they send out electromagnetic pulses, That's how the brain communicates to all the other organs. There's only one other organ that communicates more than the brain. The heart. The heart sends out five times more electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic pulses than the brain. So they were fascinated by this. So they started doing research and more research. And they found, and then they actually, I mean, talk about science. They, 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 They made a machine that can detect that can detect electromagnetic pulses that come out, not just stay in your body, but come out of your body. And they realize that depending on the kind of emotion and the kind of feeling you're feeling and the kind of uh, experience you have and what's inside of you, you can send out so strong electromagnetic pulses that can be felt three to five feet away from you. So if you have ever had this idea, have you ever had this thought, you look at like someone preaching or singing and you're like, oh my gosh, I can feel his heart. Do you know why you say that? Because you can literally feel it. When you've ever thought, oh my gosh, that team played, they had no heart. You know why? Because you felt that. You felt no heart. That's why you can talk to someone, you get some, and you don't want to be weird about it. You're like, I don't like them. I feel kind of weird. Right? Or then you'll say, man, I like their energy. I don't know. What is about them? I like them. You don't even have to meet someone, and there is an aura. There is a, like energy. And these are not goofy words. These are actually scientific words because here's the thing. Every human being, without knowing it, based on what's truly inside of them, that's what's bubbling up inside of them, projects it out and they don't even know they're doing it. But Jesus, being superhuman, goes, oh, now I know what just went out. (laughs) Healing just went out. Oh, I know. Why? Because he was filled up with healing. He was filled up with it. He knew it. You see, so often, friends, I think we, we read the scriptures and our goal is, hey, I just want to be a good Christian. I just want to be a better Christian. I don't want to be, a, I mean, some of you have this, this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want, I, if that's my thing. I just want to be a better Christian. I'm a good Christian. And sometimes we've been taught that and we believe it. I think that's a mistake in your identity. I think Jesus never died to make you a good Christian. I think he died to make you church. 
Like he said, upon this confession, I will build a church. Upon this, I will build my church. And not upon this confession, you'll be a great Christian. No, I'll build my church. And this church, this collective, it's going to be so powerful that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The gates of hell. Now, have you ever stopped and thought that? About like, why did he say the gates of hell? Think about this. If your spirituality and mine is centered around being the one with always the issues, if we're always centered around this idea that we need to be better and better and better, and we need to be a good Christian, good Christian, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to stay the hell away from hell. Right? Can I say that? I don't know. All right, sorry. I said that. Sorry. It was nice knowing you guys. I'll see you maybe never, never. But as a Christian, that's the goal, right? As Christians, we're trying to save people from hell. We're like, let's stay away from the hell. Let's stay away from hell. And Jesus says, no, but when you mistake your identity, you think you're supposed to be a Christian, all your life you're trying to stay away from hell. When you understand your identity and live out in your calling, you become the church, and the church goes to hell to save other people. And that's why he says the gates of hell will not stand against you because the church is going, open up. We got people in here. We got people in bondage. We got people in distress. We got people in trauma. We got to save them. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go into hell for a heavenly cause. Like that's our deal. But we've mistaken our identity. We've become people that were so caught up in just fear and anxiety. I mean, I didn't realize this. I, when I first started Mosaic, you know, we've been going for 15 years. And it's been, it's been a blast. It's been crazy. COVID, oh my gosh, I don't know. I need therapy, all kinds. Okay, but it's been tough. It's been tough. But I will tell you, our first, it's been fascinating too. The first year though, uh, the first year we started Mosaic, um, there, there was, we did this um, newcomers class and all that, and there was a dinner, uh, and this, uh, this couple came up, and it was right over, we were done with the whole dinner thing. This couple came up, and I didn't know them uh, because, for, for not, I knew them for six months, because we were pretty much just open for six months, okay? And so he, they come up, and she, the, the, the lady is just like this distraught. She's crying uncontrollably, and I'm not quite sure what's happening, but I'm a pastor, so I go into pastor mode. I'm like, hey, what's up? Well, you know what's going on? I lean in and say, oh, what's, wrong? what's wrong? What's wrong? And the husband's like, oh, I don't know what to say. And, and he says, well, just say it, just say it. And I'm like, oh, oh, what's going on? You know, so I'm like ready. I'm professional, okay? I got this. I got this. So I'm like, girl, tell me what's going on. I got you. I got you. I got you. And here's what she says. She goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just can't really. And she goes, the thing is that You know, we've been coming for six months, and I just, I just can't get over the fact. I just think that you're a, you're a undercover terrorist. <laughs> I know. Now, friends, I didn't know if I should pray for her or punch her in the throat. Like, I didn't know. I had, I didn't know. I mean, my face was like, oh. What? And then she goes, you know, I've been just, I've just been holding, I've been holding on to this for six months. And you, and then she goes, you're not a terrorist, right? And I'm like, let me check. Yeah, I am. What? 
what? Undercover terrorist. She's, I'm like, uh, then I got curious. I was like, so tell me about it. Like, why, why would you think that? She's like, well, this is perfect. I mean, you got this church. I mean, you're charismatic. You can convert all these people. Like, she had thought this through. Now, I want to I ask you this. If, you, uh, if you're that person, okay, and you believe a, a, a lie like that, or believe a, a, or you embrace a fear like that, and you dwell on it for six months. What is coming out of you for six months? Like, like for some of us, it, the, the, the problem is not that the why you have to battle against your anxiety. It's not just for you. Because the what you've been dealing with and facing and living with for so long, this, this crippling fear is not just crippling you. It's crippling other people as well. It's affecting everyone around you. That's why your home has an energy, a presence. It has a peace, and it might not have a peace. You can walk into a place and you have so much anxiety, you're like, What's, what happened here? No, you don't, need to, you, you don't need to cast something out. You need to fill yourself up with God's presence. I want to read you one last verse here. Oh, I, I, got, I got to say this. I got to, two last verses. I lied. Okay. I, I love this. this, this when, when I discovered heart math, right? This idea of like that uh, you can feel someone's heart. I started thinking about this. I was like, oh, wow, this is so interesting. And then just right after that, I read, um, I read Proverbs 4. 23. I've read this before and have never realized what I was reading. Proverbs 24, 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So you and I have to guard our heart. There's one last passage here in book of Acts. Book of Acts. And here's, here's what's profound. So Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples and they're focused on different things and they start saying, hey, so when, when, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Lord, has the time come uh, for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And, and he replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. So he's basically saying, you're consumed with some things. This is not for you to know, but here's something you need to know. Because I'm leaving. Here's something I need to know. Okay, you need to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, that means in your neighborhood, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You have to be my witnesses. This power is going to go out from your neighborhood to the nations. But that only will happen if you and I embrace our true identity and not live in fear. Could you imagine what would happen? What would happen, friends, if we, did, we didn't, no, 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 we, didn't, we weren't becoming good Christians that go to church. No, no, we became the church. We became the church for the world. Like what would ha- happen? I mean, I think sometimes, like I've said it before, I think I, like, we, we focus on being 
Christians on Sunday and forget to be church on Monday. Like, that's the goal. That's the big idea. That's why we are here. So, I want to pray for us. Man, what would it look like for you to go and and go, ah, I'm going to... Today I'm laying down, I'm laying down my issues. I mean, we we all got issues. We got all got issues. No, no, but I'm laying them down. And I'm not going to be the woman in the story. I'm, I'm going to be Jesus in the story. Because not just for me, but the people all around me as well. Man, what would that look like? What would that look like? Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this conversation that we're having. I thank you, God, that you are allowing us to experience, God, the joy of seeing, God, supernatural things happen. But you, but you have picked us, and I'm just so, so thankful, but yes, sometimes so confused by the fact that you would choose people like us, God. That you would, you would act, in fact, choose to fill up broken vessels that, that, that leak. That you would choose to let your power work through us to impact the people around us. So Father, I pray that for some of us today, we would no longer mistake our identity so that we can step into our calling. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thanks, guys.